0: been on a journey in 2 Corinthians over the last few weeks. We set the stage a couple weeks ago where we dove into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18, where we saw the birth of the church uh, in Corinth. We got a sense of what Corinth was all about as a community and uh, where it was that um, the ministry began. And last week, we dove into the first uh, chapter of Corinth. We discovered that Paul was writing to the church of Corinth, to the saints in the area. He was writing to the believers. He was uh, setting the record straight. He was encouraging them. We talked about how he pointed us to God, the God of all comfort, and how it would be God who would comfort in the midst of trials, in the midst of affliction, that God was sufficient. Uh, We landed last week on a very difficult truth. That God allows these challenges in our life so that we don't lean on our own strength. God allows these trials into our lives so that we learn to rely on Him. And we discovered that God's plan and our plan are two different things. Uh, sometimes we have this notion that God has a pampering love. That He's going to just sort of pamper us and, and He's going to treat us in such a way that everything's going to be easy and great. But God's love is a perfecting love. It's a love that wants to see us conformed into the image of Christ. His love towards us is one in which we learn to rely on Him in the midst of our weaknesses. That's where we landed last week. Uh, much has happened. We've, uh, we're going to skip a few verses here, but let me uh, set the stage a little bit for the passage today as we dive in uh, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Some of the things we're going to talk about today, they're going to be difficult. They're going to be hard to hear. Uh, we're going to be pushing a little bit uh, into areas of our lives that we don't necessarily want to talk about. Areas of our lives we don't want to necessarily admit are a reality for us. Uh, it's going to be hard to hear, and some of it's going to be hard to apply, hard to, to take with us, and, and, and that's okay. Uh, God's Word is good. It's faithful and true. And when we, when we apply God's Word to our lives, friends, it brings freedom. It brings freedom. And it brings healing and strength to who we are. So let's not be afraid of the hard things. Instead, let's lean in a bit. I told you last week that uh, the big issue here uh, between Corinth and Paul was simply this. There was an issue that the Corinth felt that Paul was no longer an apostle to them. That he had uh, uh, abandoned his leadership and they no longer trusted him. And I said to you last week that there were some issues as to his plans and why he didn't come back. He said he was going to come back to Corinth and instead of going back to Corinth uh, twice, he changed his plans. He, He didn't go to Corinth again. He He did a visit that was unexpected, a painful visit, a a difficult visit where he corrects them and then he departs and instead of going back, uh, he sends this letter. And they're wondering, they're questioning his authority. Uh, Paul, throughout the book of Corinthians, is trying to reestablish himself as a leader that they need to listen to, a leader that uh, 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 is an apostle, not by his will, but by the will of God, apostle of Jesus Christ, and so he speaks with authority. The the next few verses uh, after uh, uh, verse 11, verses 12 through uh, to chapter 2, verse 4, Paul kind of defends this whole thing of him not coming to Corinth. And this is what happens. He, He sets his case forward to the church Corinth in an attempt to restore his relationship between himself and them. There's all kinds of friction here. And there's a lot of misunderstandings. And so he begins to defend his actions. And he does a few things. First of all, he, he bases his defense on the witness of his conscience, that he acted in holiness and sincerity. You see, the people thought that he was acting out of a, a, a selfishness. They thought that they, he was acting out of, uh, you know, out of uh, an arrogance, that he was sort of doing self-preservation. But instead what Paul says is, one of the reasons I didn't come is because I, I acted in sincerity. I, I acted in holiness. I, I, I have a clean conscience about this. And he says, listen, when we stand before the Lord on judgment day, you're going to see that my conscience is clear. You're going to see that I was walking in step with the Lord. And, and so he kind of works through that reality. And he says, you know, uh, we'll be able to take pride one in each other. On the day of judgment... Church of Corinth, I'm going to take pride in you and the fruit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And although, Church of Corinth, you may not take pride in me now because you think that I, I didn't do what I should have done. Listen, on the day of judgment, when we stand before God, you too will take pride in me. That's what he says. Wow, that's kind of neat, say hey? <laughs> there, There's a, a certain holy confidence in what Paul is saying as he justifies his actions. He says, on judgment day, be assured of this. We'll take pride one in each other. He goes on to say this. He, he rejects the notion that he makes his plans lightly. You see, the church of Corinth said, ah, come on, you, you just change your mind on a whim. Things are difficult, and so what do you do? You change your, your mind. You, you, you don't want to deal with conflict. You don't want to deal with us. You're, you're so flaky. <laughs> he says, no, I know you're accusing me of that. Not true. I love it. <laughs> he grabs the bull by the horn. He, he faces the criticism, and he says, I, I don't make any plans lightly. Zero, none. I, I don't do that. That's not me. You're accusing me of it, but it's not true. He affirms that the gospel word and his word, his personal word, are from God, who is faithful to his promises. And he highlights that in the text. He says that God is faithful. And listen, God's going to accomplish his goals. And, and, and God is faithful to the church of Corinth. He loves the church. He, he, he died on the cross for the church. And so as God directs Paul, he's also directing the church. And even though they don't align, we can trust God. He's faithful. He's in charge. And then Paul plainly states why he did not come. He said, I didn't want another painful visit. It wouldn't be helpful if I I came. You weren't ready for a physical visit. A letter is better. You need to process and digest what it is I'm trying to say. If I came, it would, it would only escalate the situation. And so he says, no, I, I didn't come because of a painful visit. I, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to destroy the work that God was doing by being present. No, there was time needed and the word needed. And despite their negative interpretation of the letter, the severe letter he wrote with many tears, he says, listen, I know this was difficult for you, but be assured of this, I wrote it with love. I huh. love that. I love that the heart of Paul, even though it was misunderstood, was motivated by love. And So he reaffirms this reality uh, with them in his defense as to why he did not come. And now most people, the good news, Titus has come back and he's reported to Paul. And he says this, and most people responded to your severe letter. And they've punished the offender. And now they need to forgive and comfort the offender. And that's where we are today. Let's pray and then we'll dive into the, well, first let's read the scriptures. And then we'll dive in and pray. You have your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter two, verses five. This is how we got to where we are. Everyone tracking with me. It's important to understand the journey and why uh, what we're going to say today. It'll it'll help us understand a bit of the context. Now, is anyone now? If anyone has caused pain, he has caused it to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one. This punishment by the majority is enough, so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him, for this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his design. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. It was written to a specific people in a specific time with all kinds of hurts and misunderstandings, Was written to people who were reactive versus prescriptive. Who were wondering, what was the next step? What were you doing, Lord? And to some measure, each one of us comes here today, trying to discern the next step in our lives, trying to get a sense of what you're doing in our reality. And our desire is to walk with you and to know you. And so help us as we dive into this text today to understand what Paul is trying to address with the church of Corinth. And then help us to seek to apply these truths to our own lives. Uh, Lord, we need your spirit to speak with laser accuracy and focus. And in the midst of it, to find the presence of Christ and hope. And so, redeem this time, we pray, for your honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul continues his letter. He transitions from his defense as to why he uh, did what he did to give direction to the church. He's trying to help them understand what they need to do next in light of their circumstances. And so he begins by saying this, now if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. Hmm. See, from what we can gather, there was an individual. That's why the text says, if anyone, it's singular. There's an individual uh, in the church of Corinth who was somehow engaged in inappropriate behavior. We don't know exactly what that behavior was. Uh, some have speculated that it was the uh, person in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where uh, Paul corrects uh, a man who's, uh, who's engaged in a relationship with his father's wife. It's an adulterous relationship, and Paul corrects that relationship, and some speculate that that's who Paul's talking about here. Hmm. Most would say that's probably not the case, because Paul spoke with uh, clarity about that situation, and he later goes on to say, I'm grateful for the one who repented of his inappropriate relationship with his father's wife, and so restore him. No, no. most people would suggest that it was probably someone involved in some sort of sexual immorality. Uh, as we discussed earlier, we talked about Corinth and how uh, uh, it was a sexually charged community. That most of the temples that people would go to worship at, these seven temples, most of them were involved in sexual acts. And it sounds like from the letter, that, that Paul's dealing with someone who, who got saved out of that lifestyle, that, that sexually promiscuous lifestyle, and yet they are holding on to the, those sexual passions and activity, and they're justifying it in the context of the church. Uh, Paul, when he goes and he deals with this individual in this visit that is so painful and severe, it, it, the, the, the implication is, is that this individual rallied the people around him and said, come on guys, there, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing and, and Paul pushes in and it sounds like this individual begins to attack Paul specifically. My dad always used to say the best defense is a good offense. <laughs> if you want to defend yourself, attack the one who's attacking you. And thus begins this painful visit. As Paul corrects behavior and, and this attack comes against Paul and, and he's trying to help them understand that, that, that they no longer need to live in this sexual Um, sexual sin and what happens and the reason the visit is so painful is the church is somewhat divided Mm. some are agreeing with this gentleman and others are going I I don't know what to do do we obey Paul do we sympathize with this person Mm. leads to all kinds of conflict Paul says, listen, when we engage in sin, it's painful. Romans says the wages of sin is death. Sin is painful. It hurts ourselves. But it doesn't end there. Sin is never isolated to one person. There's always a ripple effect. It always affects people around See, this gentleman, I'm sure his argument was like, what am, what's, what's the harm? I'm, I'm not hurting anyone. I, you know, what, what's the big deal? Uh, don't, don't we do that sometimes? We kind of justify our sinful behavior. We, we assume that there's no side effect, no consequences to anyone. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Friends, when we, we do that, we we don't embrace the truth. I see Paul's crystal clear here. He he helps uh, the Church of Corinth understand that that this gentleman has caused all kinds of pain. There's there there there's consequences to sin. And the consequences was to Paul. There was an attack on his character, on his ministry. There's an attack on him as an apostle. He's losing ground with the people. And people aren't sure if they should trust him. And it's not just to him. There's also consequences to the community as people embrace this fellow's sin. And so, Paul is strongly trying to help them understand that, that this is painful to, to all of us. He says that there's much pain from this. And he's not trying to overstate the case, but he wants people to understand. He wants this individual in the community to understand there's been an effect from this sinful behavior. For such a one, he says, this punishment by the majority is enough. Hmm. See, after Paul left, he sent a letter. And in the letter, he explains to them how they are to discipline this fellow. we don't have that letter. That's the letter that's lost between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And I think it's probably lost partially because, well, I believe this, that we didn't need it. It wouldn't help us. It was specific to an individual. And Titus brings news back to Paul saying they've responded. They've they did what you said. See, the community responded by disciplining the, the, the person. They responded by saying, no, this is sin. It's not acceptable. And they enacted church discipline because he refused to respond to it. We we don't talk too much about church discipline, do we? We we shy away from it, but that's exactly what happens here. The the majority of people, they they in a sense they punish him. And Paul's now saying, Okay, now settle down. It's enough. Don't don't live here. It's now time to forgive. See the text goes on to say, so you should rather return to forgive and to comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. See what happened is, as the community uh, 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 disciplined the individual, he responded. The text says that as you read down. Now the community doesn't know what to do with him because he's responded and now what do we do? Do we uh, embrace him? Do we, do we welcome him? Do we accept him? What, what do we do now, Paul? And Paul says, stop the discipline and what? Forgive. <laughs> Forgive. Forgive. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is to is to accept the consequences of the offender's act. That's forgiveness. It's it's to say, "Listen, I'll pay for what you've done to me." I'll 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 cover it. I'll pay. Church Corinth, listen, there's been much division. Much hurt, lots of back talk, uh, a rejection of Paul, and Paul said, now you got to forgive. Yes, yes, this individual caused all of this pain. Now you have to, what, endure the pain. That's forgiveness. It aligns itself with the words of Jesus, doesn't it? In Luke chapter 11, when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he, he says to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he regrets, forgive him. Huh. What, what, what a great word from Jesus. If your brother sins, you pay attention and, and, and rebuke him. Correct him gently. Come alongside of. Uh, we, we, we don't like that too much. Uh, we've misquoted. Judge not lest you be judged. Not understanding the context. See, in the body of Christ, we, we are to hold one another Accountable. We are to correct gently, to come alongside of, to to point to Christ, to to say, no, this is not acceptable. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of Paul. He he tells us to do that. And, And when they repent, when they turn from their sin, when they agree that what they are doing is wrong, he then says, now forgive him. That's the call of Christ. This is the call to you and to me. We are obligated to come alongside. We're obligated to to bring correction. We're obligated to to encourage our brothers to walk with Christ in holiness, to raise the standard. We're obligated to do this. When they repent, we're obligated to forgive. Once? (laughs) No. No. No, Jesus goes on to say this, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, and he turns to you seven times and say, I repent, you must forgive him. Good night. Good night. And then he goes on to say this, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. There's some similarities between that text and the text we're reading, isn't there? We are to forgive, Paul says. We are to to offer forgiveness to the offender. We are to comfort, Paul says. We're to not only forgive, but we're to, to come alongside and to comfort them, reassure them they are forgiving, that the relationship has been restored. That's that's wild to me. Is it not enough that that I gotta carry the pain of someone else's action towards me? Is it not enough that I gotta forgive the sin? But actually, Paul Jesus says, No, it's it's not that's that's not where it ends. You you need to forgive more than that, you need to comfort the offender. Seriously, yeah. You need to come alongside the person who's offended you and say, "You can be okay. We're, we're okay. It's it's okay." You're not to, you're not to hold it over them. You're not to keep it in your back pocket for a rainy day. When you sinned against them, and well, remember when you sinned against me, <laughs> now we're even. No, no, not so much. No, we're to forgive, and we're to comfort. Now, if that were enough, or difficult enough, <laughs> we'd probably walk out here going, good grief. But Paul goes a little further. Look look what he says next in verse 8. He says, no, I beg you. (laughs) Wow. I I beg you, church. Reaffirm your love for him. Wow. So the offended, let's get this straight. The offended is supposed to forgive The price for the other person's action. No, that's not enough. The the offended needs to needs to comfort the offender. That's not enough. You, You need to, I beg you, reaffirm your love for him, the offended. Wow. Good night. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's what the text says. Why? For this is why I wrote that I may test you and know whether or not you are obedient in everything. Paul knows this is going to be difficult. Paul knows that this is going to be challenging. He understands how hard this is. You, You you gotta you gotta forgive. You gotta comfort. You gotta reaffirm your love for him. And I was thinking about this. Isn't this Jesus? Isn't this Jesus? Uh, We sin, don't we? We sin against a righteous and holy God. You and I, we're so guilty. And we come to Jesus and we say, well, first of all, Jesus disciplines us. (laughs) And then as we, we ask for forgiveness... Jesus says, I forgive you. I'll pay for you. That's the cross. Uh, I'll pay for your sin. I'll pay for you. And it doesn't end there. I mean, Jesus is so awesome. He doesn't just pay for our sin, He comforts us. He he gives us hope and assurance. Isn't this Jesus? Could you imagine if Jesus just forgave us? Yeah, I'll pay for your sin. It's done. We would still be devastated, wouldn't we? But Jesus comes and not only does he forgive us and pay for our sin, he comforts us. More than that, he reaffirms his love for us. He says, I love you, I love you, I love you. See, when we, when we apply the words of Paul, we are manifesting Christ. And, and friends, we can't do this on our own. No, it's Christ in us who transforms us. It's the work that Christ has done in us in, in forgiving our sin, in, in comforting us, in, in um, uh, uh, affirming his love towards us that enables us to forgive. That's why Jesus is so serious about it in Luke chapter 11. He's like, if someone sins against you, friend, you have to forgive if they Repent. Yeah, you, you have to. It's not an option. You're obligated. You're obligated to pay the price. More than that, you, you need to comfort those who've sinned against you. More than that, you, you need to reaffirm your love for them. Hmm. It's Jesus. Is it easy? No. Are you going to feel like you want to? No. Be obedient. That's what Paul's saying. Are you going to necessarily uh, uh, feel good about it? Not necessarily. Be obedient. Do it. Be a person of faith. Trust that, that Christ will meet you in the midst of your circumstances. Hmm. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking about sin and confession and, and, and how it leads to forgiveness, but more than that, healing. James chapter 5. That famous passage by the brother of Jesus, when, when discussing those who are sick, and, and the prayer of faith from, the right, uh, from a righteous man, much like who? Elijah. He says, if one is sick among you, then, then the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up, and he, he who has committed sins, he will what? Forgive. Now look at the next part. He was on to say this: "Therefore, confess your sins one to another." What? Confess your sins one to another, and pray for one another, that you're, that you may be, healed. So, there's a connection here with confession and forgiveness and community gathered around. And healing. See, Paul is saying in the midst of sin, when sin is repented, there needs to be forgiveness. Give and extend forgiveness. And then there's this encouraging aspect to it, and not just an encouraging aspect, there's a reaffirming of love, there's a comfort that comes there, and there's a an healing. I, I think this is about bodily healing, but not exclusively. I think it's also about inner healing. I do. I I, I think that there's a connection, that that some of us are carrying such wounds deep within us. And as we confess our sins one to another, there's healing. There's healing for us. Why, in the midst of community, there's, there's healing for us. The brother of Jesus, he gives us instruction, and we should follow 2 Corinthians, back to Paul, he goes on to say this. Anyone anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, yeah, I know the attack was on me. If you forgive, my, I, I join you. I, too, uh, forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for the sake in the presence of Christ. It's Christ who, who, who models. It's Christ who enables. It's the, it's the reality of Christ in us that accomplishes restoration and reconciliation for the community. Look how Paul finishes this. He says this is so critical, it's so important. And then he explains that, listen, there's one lurking. One lurking. Satan. You see, with unforgiveness... If we don't walk through the process, if we don't follow Paul's uh, 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 leadership in this, Satan, Satan is lurking. And he seeks to outwit us. He seeks to take that unforgiveness, he seeks to take that pain, that woundedness, and multiply it. That's the plan. Friends, what's the application for us today? Three things. Have you caused pain? Have you caused pain? Have you said things that you shouldn't have said? Have you done things that you shouldn't have done? Are you haunted by your actions because they're undealt with? Friends, have you caused pain? Well, in one sense, everyone in this room has caused pain. Isn't that true? We all have. And sometimes we can kind of just say, well, isn't everyone a sinner? I mean, does it really matter? Yes, it does matter. Repent. Agree with God in regards to your action and turn from it. Repent. As we're talking, maybe an action that's unresolved comes comes rushing to your mind and your heart, and your heart is racing. You go, "What do I do with this?" Repent. I agree with God. Turn to Him. Know, know that our sin causes much pain. More than we could ever imagine. Repent. And if you've offended someone in your household, in your neighborhood, in the body of Christ, at the workplace, if you've offended someone and it's unresolved, repent. Own it. Ask for forgiveness. Have you been offended? Has someone hurt you? Friends, don't hold on to it. Forgive. Obey. Forgive. It doesn't matter if it's one time, two times, three times, four times. Forgive. Because Christ has forgiven you. Forgive, more than that, comfort. Comfort those who've offended you, more than that, reaffirm your love for them. Maybe, maybe you, you have asked for forgiveness, and someone, someone hasn't extended forgiveness. Friends, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, Be reconciled. Forgiveness is up to you. You need to forgive all who offend you. Reconciliation takes two parties. Forgive them so that the the devil and his schemes don't bind you and ruin you. Friends, you may not get reconciliation because it's not completely up to you. But you need to forgive, and in so doing, not allow a foothold to take hold in your life. Friends, if you've sinned against another, repent. If one has sinned against you, forgive, comfort, love. If you've offended and not been forgiven, look to Christ, who's the author and perfecter of your faith, the one who conquered the enemy, the enemy of our soul and death. Look to him and allow him to bring healing, freedom from the design of the enemy. Let's stand together. I'm going to call the worship team out. They're going to lead us in a song of worship, Come to the River. Great song. So refreshing. Such great imagery. As we sing this song, reflect on the reality of what God is saying to you here this morning. What is God asking of you? Is he asking you to repent, to, to agree? To own your offense. Is he asking you to forgive? Or resist the devil and look to Christ? And so Father you know our hearts. And you know where we stand before you. What a wonderful gift Christ is. He paid it all for us on Calvary's tree. More than that he heals us. And frees us from sin he comforts us and reaffirms his love towards us when we look to him lord jesus would you come and minister to us we pray lord jesus would you not only be our model but the one who enables us to forgive help us to come to the river in christ's name